This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. We're going to have fun today. We're talking about bees. The bees take care of us. And and uh, Zane, you brought a new person to be on the show today. And uh, uh, from Barry Richards, right? Did That's I get right. it right? Yes, you did. Okay. I've got a great memory. I can remember at least five or six seconds. Good morning, Truman. Good morning, Truman. Well, good morning. <laughs> good morning, Rutherford County. Yes, yes. We're here, and we're going to have a big time You're today. a big copycat. You know that. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> yeah. But but we're in a, a strange season this year. The, the weather has been so different all for the last three or four years, actually. I had a terrible storm last night at my house on Manchester Highway, and uh, I had to get up a couple of times to see, do I have damage out here? Yeah. It was just absolutely pouring at my place. Yeah. We we had damage at our house. We've had three uh, heavy storms to come through with a lot of wind. Those old trees were almost touching the ground. And I'm afraid I've got damage to the roof of my house. Uh-oh. So that's going to be a problem right away. And uh, I had three or four trees that are down in our yard. Oh, we, my. Yeah, so it, it, that's how bad the storm was. I haven't seen a storm that bad in a long time. Now, I've seen them where they were bad enough that they'd uh, blow uh, hives over, and the yeah. bees were uh, not too happy about that. But anyway... I hope uh, our bees are safe through some of these storms, so it could could uh, be a problem. That's our focus today. Yes. And and we've got something special coming up. That's why Barry's here. Yeah. yeah, Andrea Porter could not be here. She had a conflict. But anyway, she's uh, gotten a hold of Barry, and uh, he will, he's well-versed on the conference that we'll have coming up October the 8th and 9th. Mm -hmm. And uh, he'll be able to answer most all of our questions and bring us completely up to date on what what we can uh, expect in the conference. Give me a little bit about personal background, Barry. Oh, where, where do you? Yeah, where do you live? <laughs> I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but uh, <laughs> how did you get involved with beekeepers? And and you're right there at the very top of the level. So well, I don't know about that, but well, I, you are. I've I've kept bees as an adult probably for about 30 years, but I'm the fourth generation in my family to keep bees. Oh, wow. My great-grandfather kept bees up uh, in Warren County, Kentucky. Back, uh -huh. uh, he, he came over before the Civil War with his family, and, you know, I've all, often thought his dad may have well kept bees, too, because back then it was just 
it was just a normal part of farming. If you had to, it did any kind of agricultural work, that's what you did. And he was, but he was a farmer. Evidently, he must have fought on the good side. Well, uh, actually, my family would tell you they lost two wars. They lost a Revolutionary War, and then they came over here just in time to lose. Although I don't think he took too many sides. He did was, they come he, over on the Mayflower? Uh, not that early. Oh. They came over before before the Civil War, uh-huh. and uh, he was a Methodist preacher and a beekeeper oh, and a wow. farmer. And I uh, married a lot of people up in that area and kept bees. And they tell You're me that. You're uh, supposed to marry one time. Well, uh, he, he, was, he officiated. Maybe we should oh, rephrase okay. that. I got you. But uh, he, um, uh, he kept bees. And they tell me that he had probably over 100 hives of bees oh, back then. Uh, but what's interesting is they probably, very few of them were in boxes. Uh, a lot of them would, would be what we would call a bee gum. The, the, the gum tree would yeah. often be hollow and be where you find bees, and they would cut them with a cross-cut saw, put them on a stand, put a, a few planks across the top to keep the rain out and keep the bees in that gum until you're ready to, until you're ready to rob them. And of course, back then, they didn't have all the technology we have today, so mm-hmm. robbing the bees was a pretty destructive process. You'd just have to tear the comb out and mash it. Uh, yeah. My father would tell me they'd put it in a burlap bag and or a, fl- a flour sack and mash it between some boards or squeeze it with your hands to get as much honey out as you could and put that in jars. Of course, if it was a nice new comb, they'd cut that comb out, put that in the jar uh, too. And then uh, anything left over, they'd put back out in the yard, let the bees clean it off because bees will take that honey and take it right back to the beehive and store it up and, and help them get through the winter. That's a great history that you have with the bees. Yeah. and uh, I can see uh, your interest in it. Yeah, it's it's something that's it's really just fascinating to a lot of people. A lot of people that get into it that yeah. really, you know, grab a hold of it and take it on as a hobby. Or and I've seen several people that got into it as just a hobby and said, you know, I want to do this for for a living. Mm-hmm. And it is a challenge to make a living uh, in it. But I know some folks who have taken off because it's just something that is fascinating to them. The 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 way the these insects behave and the, the, just to watch what yeah. they do that's so different from, from any other, uh, really from any other aspect of agriculture. And it's something that you can do with a limited amount of, of space. You, yeah. you know, you can have beehives in your backyard or you can, uh, you could have, you know, dozens of beehives on a really limited amount of space compared to say what you'd have to do if you had dozens of cows or dozens of horses, something like that. I'm sure you have the, the word been passed down from generation to generation. What in particular did they utilize the honey for back in those early days? Well, it was a big part of the diet back then. I mean, yeah. and what I can recall being told uh, is that, uh, like, for instance, during World War II, when sugar was rationed, beekeepers had a special dispensation to get additional sugar because they might need it to feed their bees mm-hmm. uh, because that was such an important you know, aspect of it. But uh, it was just a big part of the diet. Uh, you know, of course, the, there's, there's other byproducts of, of the hive, like wax, that would be used for different industrial applications or for making candles. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it was all about honey. It was all about, you know, creating that sugar, uh, just, like, um, just like sugar cane. But in a lot of areas, you can't raise sugar cane to get, you know, table sugar. But you can make uh, honey. You can make honey just about anywhere that you can put up a bee and they can find a flower to, to bring nectar home in. Did, did they know at that time how honey will combat allergies during that, especially those that were um, in their particular area? You know, I can't imagine how different it was back, you know, in my great-grandfather's day. Uh, 
without air conditioning, without uh, a, a whole house oh, air filter. Zane and I went through those days. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, what we, what we uh, are subject to as far as allergies go, you know, you were in the middle of it all the time. So I wonder if you would even notice an impact uh, uh, from it. But, but, you know, nowadays I do get a lot of people that ask me about that, and I have a lot of customers that buy my honey and just swear up and down that that helps. You oh, know, you with sell their your own honey? Mm -hmm. Wow! A little bit. I'm I'm behind this year. I've not bottled any from from uh, this this crop. So, uh, uh, a lot of my beekeeping friends are are taking them taking my market share. Have you had a kind of a, a a down slope on on the bees as far as losing uh, our our honey bees and in in there for a while is in pretty great quantities, but they seem to be making a comeback. I, you know, every year we expect to lose some bees, yeah. especially going through the winter. Uh, it's a real up and down. It's important for a beekeeper that we leave enough honey on there that they can get through the winter. Mm -hmm. Now we can feed them. We could, like I mentioned, the sugar. We yeah. can feed them an artificial food, and they'll take it when they don't have anything else to take. Like for instance, right now, I just got an inquiry the other day about their hummingbird feeder. Folks said, "Why are the bees all over my hummingbird feeder?" Well, it's been so dry that uh, there there's not a lot of blooms producing nectar. And the bees will look for other sources of something sweet. Mm -hmm. uh, the short answer on that, too, is they don't make hummingbird feeders like they used to. If you go to the hardware store and look, they'll have some more expensive bee-proof hummingbird feeders. Because a hummingbird beak is a lot longer than a bee's tongue. And if the hummingbird feeder is built correctly, the bees won't be able to access any of the sugar water. But a lot of these cheap feeders are kind of leaky. So, Is that a good thing or a bad thing for <laughs> you people that are it's, dealing with the it's bees? It's not good for the hummingbirds. It's, yeah. it's really just a PR thing. I mean, bees are going to get that, you know, that sweet sugar somewhere. They're going to gather nectar when they can. Uh, and, and, you know, they're only going to collect something that they believe benefits uh, them. The I'll bees tell you are, an so. interesting story about that, Truman. Uh, Two or three years ago, the Donut College Cottage up here yeah. on Memorial, yeah. they called me and they said, well, honeybees are swarming here. <laughs> and I said, well, I'll come over and check it for you. And sure enough, there were just thousands of honeybees at their back door. Mm -hmm. And uh, what they were uh, smelling is that uh, powdered sugar and uh, other sugar products. And yeah. they were trying to get in the back door of the donut cottage. Wow, just from the smell of it. <laughs> yeah, they, it was uh, really a dry summer, and it was late in the summer, and they were, they were doing their best to get inside to get to that sugar. Did you tell uh, them that you would pay for any damage, just go ahead and open it up and uh, well, let them in? <laughs> I did not, but I did tell them to keep the door closed. <laughs> <laughs> now, they can get in a lot of places, if you have any type of uh, damage around your home or, yeah. or business or right. whatever, they've been known to take over. A, they they a will place. if they're if they're hungry and they're after that sugar, and they smell it in the air like they did out there, and there were just thousands of them right there at the back door trying to get in. I had a uh, beekeeper tell me that his uh, he had brought his he he'd robbed his hives. He had these boxes full of of honey. Uh, in the in the comb, mm -hmm. and he had brought it into his garage and stacked it up temporarily before he could take it to where he was going to extract it. He says his wife came out, and of course, it's invariably you're going to have a few bees 
that are with you in those boxes. You can't get all of them out often. Yeah. And his wife saw these bees flying around in the garage. She said, well, let me help out. I'm going to open this garage door and let those bees out. Mm -hmm. And she did, and she left the garage door open. And before long, mm -hmm. every other bee in the neighborhood was in the garage taking that, that honey back to the hive. Yeah, it's a good neighbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, but the question that, that started all this conversation about hummingbird feeders was, uh, you know, about loss of bees. And like I said, we, we, we in, invariably are going to lose some. There's going to be some that can't get yeah. through the winter months for one reason or the other, whether it's disease or whether they just starve, uh, which is what we as beekeepers try to prevent. Mm -hmm. uh, but... Uh, in the last few years, what we've kind of come to expect is if we can get through the winter and get into the spring when they start building up, if we can get through without losing more than, say, 30%, then we're doing, doing very well. Ooh, wow. uh, and then, you know, at, depending on your beekeeper, some people are focused on honey production. Some people are focused on bee production and, mm -hmm. and making splits. We can make splits of hives. We can buy new queens. We can buy new hives and build up. Uh, to do that honey production uh, in the spring yeah. and then spend the rest of the summer just keeping an eye on them to make sure that they're getting prepared for the winter. What would happen if we did not have the beekeepers? Well, a lot of people say, you know, here's an important thing to understand about honeybees. Mm -hmm. They are technically an invasive species. They're yeah. not native to North America. The, the earliest record we have of them being brought over was in 1622 being brought over on ships. And people say, well, why do we even need them, uh, you know, if we didn't have them back in the day? Well, back in the day, we weren't producing acres and acres and acres of crops that require insect pollination. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's the biggest challenge that we're faced with uh, in, in an agricultural economy of having to feed not just ourselves, but people around the world with so many uh, crops that require insect pollination. Uh, I, I, you know, you'll probably hear this from time to time, but every third bite of food you take is a direct result of insect pollination. Yeah. And that, that, you know, that includes all the, uh, all the crops that are coming in right now, the vine crops, the waters, watermelons, the pumpkins, the, the cucumbers, all of those require insect pollination mm -hmm. in Tennessee. All of our orchard crops, apples, pears, peaches, all require insect pollination. And you don't think about it much, but uh, you eat a hamburger, that uh, the beef cattle eat a lot of alfalfa hay, and of course, that alfalfa never went to seed, but the seeds that they had to plant, alfalfa requires insect pollination to create those seeds. So it's, Is that it, one reason why it, the bees were brought over here initially? You know, that's a good question. I'm not, not really for pollination, because they weren't thinking of that then. They mm. were thinking of, of, of honey, of yeah. having it as a source of, of sugar. Mm -hmm. uh, because we have some great uh, native pollinators. Yeah. Uh, and an example I like to give, uh, people come up to me at the fair, and they'll start a conversation up, and they'll say, you know, I'm thinking I've got a little orchard, and I'm thinking I might need some bees. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, let me tell you about your orchard. You've got these trees in a field, and the ones on the outside edge of that field are bearing fruit, but the ones in the middle don't. And they'll mm -hmm. just look at me like, how do you know this? And, and what it is is bumblebees will live in the underbrush of the, of the thickets along the edge of a field, and they will come and pollinate those trees closest to them. But a bumblebee colony might have 50 bees. Mm -hmm. They're great pollinators, but they just have a limited uh, workforce. Honeybee colony may have 80,000 bees. When we put that out in a field, those bees are going to go to work and do a great job pollinating a large number uh, of blooms.
Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do bumblebees, do they have actual people who will keep them for their uh, pollination purposes? There are some businesses around that because yeah. one thing that bumblebees are really good at are two, two notable things. They work, they can be used in greenhouses. Mm-hmm. You can't really use honeybees in greenhouses. They just do not do well. Yeah. Bumblebees will do okay in greenhouses. And uh, there are certain crops that require buzz pollination, uh, notably uh, tomatoes. Uh, and the, the, there's a mechanism because of the way the bumblebees operate that's different from honeybees that mm-hmm. they can provide pollination for certain plants that honeybees can't. Um, so there are companies that have developed a technology that's actually proprietary. We don't know exactly how they do it, but they, you can buy a bumblebee colony. They'll ship it to you in a box. Now, it's not going to be like a honeybee colony where it stay, you know, it's, it's good for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one distinct difference between honeybees and, and any of the other uh, social insects we have, like wasps and bumblebees. The, those other insects don't go through the winter as a colony. They yeah. go through the winter as a solitary female who starts a new colony in the spring. But honeybees stay as a colony all through the winter and on into the next year. Well, are the bumblebees native to this area? Yes, they are. The bumblebees are native. And there's several different species of them. Uh, there's a lot of is native bees. Is there any bees. type of competition between the bumblebees and the honeybees? There is a little bit, but the reality is, you know, any particular crop's not going to run out of nectar because of, of one bee or another. There's enough nectar to go around. If you watch a honeybee uh, on, say, a patch of of clover, Mm -hmm. you'll see it go to a blossom, and some blossoms, it'll just be there for a split second. Mm -hmm. And that's one where it thinks, it it checks it out and says, well, there's not a lot of nectar here. Maybe it's dry either because there's not enough moisture in the ground, or some other insect has come along and gotten it. And it'll bounce off of that one and go to the next one and spend a a longer amount of time on the one where it's getting nectar. So, uh, but those plants are continually producing more nectar. And, of course, that whole mechanism of those plants producing nectar and even having those flowers is to attract those bees to them to provide that, that pollination. And, and it is a good point to make earlier that you were talking about these uh, feed crops without the uh, pollination of honeybees and other pollinators the feed crops would disappear. Mm -hmm. If the feed crops disappear, that means your cattle, your uh, hogs, uh, all of those uh, chickens, everything also disappears. And that's what scientists have told us about our uh, disappearing of our honeybees. Well, it'll it'll affect first our vegetables, Mm -hmm. then our feed crops, and then the the animals that we depend on for food, then they're gone and reduced. So this is kind of like a domino effect that will occur if we lose our honeybees. Well, now, what you're basically saying that when the honeybees were brought to this country in 1600s, uh, they changed our entire agricultural. Uh, way of, of dealing with those type things. Well, the history of that, uh, what we've looked into and what has been written by those early settlers is that when they first planted their crops here, mm-hmm. they compared that with what they did in Europe. And the crops were very 
uh, sparse, not a lot. Yeah. And they didn't understand what was happening. And then they came to them, we're not getting pollinators here. So they started sending them over here in, uh, in the ships that come. So they did immediately see that the uh, pollination was not what it should be. In other words, the, the crops were not uh, developing like they thought it should. And they came to the conclusion it was because of uh, pollinators. And that, we have a historic record of that. Wasn't corn pretty prevalent when they well, first yeah, came over here? You've got to remember, corn is a self-pollinator. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of little crops like that. But there were other vegetables that they planted that are not self-pollinator. They've got to have insect pollination. There are some crops, too, that benefit from additional insect pollination. They can self-pollinate, but when you have insects doing the work, they do a more complete yeah, job. it helps out. If, if you ever buy an apple or a melon and it's lopsided, it's bigger on one side than the other, that's incomplete pollination. There's that flower there, and the all, all of the... Uh, the receiving parts of the flower did not get properly pollinated, and you end up with a with a lopsided, uh, lopsided fruit. So, proper, complete pollination gives you the biggest, best output of, of of the product that you're trying to get out of that plant. I don't know of any subject that I've run into for, since I've been doing this show and met so many, uh, I, uh, what I call brilliant people. I don't know of anything that has such a, an in-depth scientific study than the bees themselves i i chuckle i get is, is that because we are we rely on them so much we we want to maintain them. they're so complex yeah and i get emails from folks often who say hey i'm thinking about keeping bees uh can you tell me what to do mm -hmm. and i'm like oh <laughs> well, no, I can't. You need to join the Rutherford County Beekeepers Association and go to their meetings and find a mentor and read a bunch of books and maybe watch some videos, and, and then you'll realize how little you know about yeah, bees. It, it's very complex. And <laughs> it just goes on and on and yeah, on. I get that a lot, too, that people call, hey, I, I'd like to get into beekeeping. What do I need to do? First thing, you need to come to the Rutherford County Beekeepers Association. <laughs> It, it's an enjoyable process, though. It, 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 uh, it It's something that you're doing a lot for uh, the people in our country. Of course, we, we're worried about the people here in Rutherford County in, in uh, Middle Tennessee. But uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's something that as you, it's good for young people and older people, but, but especially older people to get involved in, in something like this. It's, it's not too hard on you physically, but you you can. It, it's so entertaining, and you know that you're giving something back to the community you live in. It is, and it's an opportunity too to teach others. Because once once you get any amount of knowledge on bees, then you're a resource that can teach. You know, talk to school groups that can go to the fair and talk to people can can make a presentation at a garden club. Uh, and, and if you get in the position to be a mentor to somebody else and get inside that hive and show them what's yeah. going on so that they can try to, and I, I almost said fully grasp, but that's just it. The, the longer I'm in beekeeping, the more I realize yeah. I have to learn because yeah. it's just, it, it has, it's endless as far as, and there's so many things we don't understand about honeybees yeah. and folks are trying to discover. Why are we having the, uh, the beekeepers here 
from all across the country right here in Murfreesboro. Because uh, MTSU's got a great facility for uh -huh. that. Uh, the Tennessee Beekeepers Association, we've met for years, and their predecessor organizations have too, and it's always a challenge. The bigger the group gets, the more challenging it is to, to find a meeting location that mm -hmm. is both economical, because, yeah. you know, I can, I can send you to, to some of the big national beekeeping conferences that cost hundreds of dollars to attend, and they're at fancy hotels. Yeah. But we've got to have something where the hobbyist beekeeper can afford, you know, 40 or 50 bucks to go to the conference, mm -hmm. a, as opposed to, you know, hundreds. Uh, but at the same time, we, we've got to have a facility that is going to have the space we need and is the, the accessibility we need. Mm -hmm. uh, in, at a regional level in beekeeping, uh, a lot of beekeepers have attended in the past our Heartland Apicultural Society meetings. That's mm -hmm. a big regional. So, uh, I think there's eight states involved, and uh, this year uh, they're not having a meeting, but next year they're planning it for Indiana. But those yeah. conferences... Uh, we've had a great experience with those conferences in recent years at some universities, including Western Kentucky University, which has a student union very similar to MTSU. And, and so we're excited to be able to use that MTSU facility, which has room for all the breakout classes, because we'll have several different classes going on at the same time. So when you come to the Tennessee Beekeepers Association meeting, you look at the lineup and say, well, I, I want to learn about pollination, so I'm going to go to this class. But in the next hour, I want to learn about making candles. So there's a class there. So you can kind of create your own curriculum based on your interests, mm -hmm. what you want to learn more about. Or if there's a speaker that you've heard of that you want to hear talk, you, you make those choices. So we have to have the space, which MTSU's student union provides, of having all these breakout classes, but at the same time have one place that we can come together as a as a, the whole group to hear some of our keynote speakers Yeah. and have room for our vendors to set up and, and show their products that they have for sale and have plenty of room to do commerce. Uh, and, uh, and, and finally, probably most important, is that we have easy access to dining, which, of course, the student union at MTSU has all kinds of dining options, and it just makes it easy for people. We don't, uh, we're not having to bring box lunches in like we've had to do in the past. We've met in the past at the uh, Hyder Burks Agricultural Pavilion in Cookville. We've been there for y several years. I can't remember where we were before then. Uh, we have met, I think, uh, we may have had a meeting at Williamson County's Ag Expo Center. You know, at one mm -hmm. time, uh, the idea was to have a conference in East Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, and West Tennessee, but that never did work out. Well, yeah, we had attempted to do, we've had meetings uh, at the uh, Ag Pavilion there in Memphis. We had a meeting at a 4-H camp up in Johnson City, I think, and what the board decided several years ago was, no, we really need to have it somewhere in Middle Tennessee because, you know, if you go too far in either direction, you're really cutting out the opportunity for some beekeepers. So, yeah. so Cookville's been where we've been several years, but MTSU, as far as what I've, you know, seen, is going to be a great option for us as far as having this conference. Uh, it just, it, it, has, it hits on all the, all cylinders as far as what we need for a conference. And, you know, it's so accessible to so many people being right here, you know, off the interstate and, well, my question to Zane, how about the parking? Because that's a lot of people coming in, and I presume school is going on at that time. School is going on, and uh, what they're going to do is uh, allocate the student union parking lot to our attendees. Wow. And uh, 
I want to be sure to mention our host sponsor, Maple Grove Beekeeping Supply, which is located right here in Murfreesboro. Mm -hmm. uh, not only are they being one of our major sponsors, but they're actually going to provide uh, golf cart shuttles for Good the for attendees so that they can take you to and from your car. Yeah. Uh, it's close enough. The parking lot is to the student union. You could easily walk, but you know, at the end of the day, or if you have not, not all beekeepers are as young as Zane and I. So <laughs> there are going to be a few that need the golf cart. Yeah. And at the end of the day too, if you bought a bunch of equipment and you dragged it out to the curb, that golf cart shuttle is going to be helpful to help get, help you get your stuff to yeah. your car. So you don't have to wrangle pulling your car around. And, and that's one that of the sort of biggest thing. problems over at the university has always been parking. Parking. And, uh, we, uh, even even the ball games that are going on over mm -hmm. there, Murphy Center, and those type things, they need to work on getting the older people who have a problem getting around and things mm -hmm. like that, and, and, and have those. I, I, they did a great job for us, our um, class of 59. Of course, we're not young people anymore. So uh, when we had our uh, get-together over there, uh, they brought golf carts and oh, everything okay. else and just got us in, and they did a great job with that. So th that's something that um, uh, maybe the president needs to look at and, and make sure that everybody that needs access, easy access into a, uh, one of the buildings, they take care of that. Because it's, it's, it's not that big of a deal, but I am so glad they're reaching out to you guys. And that shows you how important the, the beekeepers are. In, yeah, we're, in we're excited. And we've been looking, you know, every year we have this sort of same conversation about yeah. is there a better place to meet? And we, we think this, this might be a great place to meet yeah. uh, for, for this conference. And, and I do recognize it's a little challenging when you do something during the school year. A lot of these uh, regional conferences are held during the summer mm -hmm. when there's not as many people on campus. But uh, we've always met in September or October with the Tennessee Beekeepers Association. Uh, a little bit of that is just finding time when beekeepers aren't too busy. Because when the downside yeah. of having something in the middle of summer is if you're taking away a weekend or a week from a beekeeper who needs to be out there keeping bees, uh, it makes it challenging to, to get people, you know, to schedule it. Yeah, so. when I first started attending MTSU back in the 60s, uh, they had maybe 4,000 students. Yeah, it. very now, small back then. Yeah, now you've got over 20,000 students that are converged on that campus. And I'm glad they're taking a good look at uh, having a, a designated parking area because yeah. there is room to do that. And we're only going, that'll only really affect on a Friday. Uh, a lot That's of students, true, yeah. it won't affect them on Saturday. So mm -hmm. it'll, it'll be a minor uh, problem for some of our students probably in, in not as many parking areas where they may have to park and ride a shuttle to where they need to be on that Friday, but I'm glad that uh, yeah. you've got that going now. Absolutely. Well, Murfreesboro that does. I mean, Rutherford County offers a lot to people coming in yeah. to, to uh, the Middle Tennessee area. Yeah. They and, really and, do. Yeah, and the thing about it, Murfreesboro is the center of the state. Yeah. We've known that for a long, long time. Yeah. So people from Memphis, East Ten West Tennessee, East Tennessee can get here on the interstates really quick and easy. So it's not a bad drive. So I think it is uh, really a smart uh, decision to move that here to Murfreesboro.
What do you think about him? He's all right. <laughs> you think so? You know, a few years ago, we uh, voted him uh, beekeeper of the year. When was that? Is that correct, Zane? No, was that, no, was oh, that you, when, your, when your granddaddy was? No, that was a lifetime membership award. Yeah, something. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Keith Elrod was beekeeper of the year. Keith then, was yeah, beekeeper. Yeah, you remember Keith. Oh, yes, I know Keith very well. I know his whole family. Yeah. Great people. Yeah. They're, they're rock balians or, or however <laughs> you, 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 you would be able to pronounce that. Yeah. What is the fun things that you guys do while you're here? Oh, well, you know, I, I, a lot of course, of it, a lot of these people coming in are are, are good friends. Of yeah, yours. and that is that's really a lot of it. Is there are a lot of people that Zane and I will only see once a year. Yeah, you know, from Upper East Tennessee, from West Tennessee, and so a lot of it is just getting together and networking and and getting to, you know, get up to date. And in this situation, we did not have a conference uh, last year, so it's been two years since we've seen a lot of our friends from all across the state. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's a big part of it. Uh, but, uh, it also is just getting together and talking about bees, talking about what's new, what's changed, uh, talking to some of these, uh, experts, uh, you know, some of these speakers, a lot of these speakers have never been to a TBA conference before, hmm. but some of them are favorites, uh, that we always like to have, or often like to have, and, and we're excited to have return, uh, so that we can hear, you know, their insight on, on, you know, new things, new conversations, new products, mm -hmm. uh, what they're doing with bees that might be different than they did two years ago. Because it's amazing how quickly things change as far as the outlook on how to deal with pests and diseases, uh, how to get greater honey production, if that's your goal, how to, you know, and, and how to raise queen bees. That's, that's going to be a topic of discussion, too. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that people, a lot of people get into bees as a hobby and kind of cover all the bases, and then they decide, you know, I really want to be focused on honey production. Yeah. And the focus on honey production is different than the person who's going to focus on raising bees to sell bees or to sell queens. And uh, then there's other products of the hive that we'll talk about, like uh, like wax and, uh, and uh, propolis and uh, uh, royal jelly. You'll see that in the health food stores. That, that's made by bees. And uh, that those royal are jelly? Royal jelly. It's, what a, is it's that? a vitamin. It, it's oh. uh, a lot of people feels like feel as if that would improve their health benefits by yeah. taking it. Now, honeybees use it also as a health benefit. So, well, for, I'm looking at it for two sides. One is it's an enjoyment for people who are ho kind of hobby bee farmers. Mm -hmm. And, and, but on the commercial side, uh, how many people will actually come in here uh, looking to benefit from what they're doing with the bees financially? I think a lot. Uh, I think there's, well, that's a good question. What percentage of them? I don't know. I don't know. But, but we want them to have the opportunity to learn mm -hmm. if they're wanting to increase their their ability and for instance we're going to have the uh, president of the tennessee farmers market association there wow. he's going to give a talk on marketing honey mm -hmm. because you know we can put it in the jar but then how do we get it in the people's cabinets you know what is mm -hmm. the best most efficient way to sell that honey is it to go to farmers markets is that is that the uh, best use of your time or is it to wholesale it to groceries 
Is it to sell it online? There's all kinds of options, you know, with regards to that. And there's so many, you know, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a binary equation. You're not either a hobbyist or you're a commercial beekeeper. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It, yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, a spectrum there. You know, how much do you want to, how much time do you want to spend? How much return do you want to get on the investment of your, of your time and your money? Uh, and we'll help people decide that. We'll help them decide what is the thing they enjoy the most about beekeeping that they want to try to, to get a return on their investment with. And some folks may look at take those classes and go, eh, never mind. I'll just, I'll just keep a couple of hives and make enough honey for my family. That sounds like a headache, you know, to try to make money selling honey. And that's fine, too. Is there any area where the bees seem to survive better than others in this country? You know, a lot of people will, the example I like to give, too, is in the, in the cities, in the urban areas, people will say, well, I don't guess I can keep bees. I live, you know, I live on a little country road. I only have an acre of land. Well, you know, the bees do very well when there's not a large uh, monocultural farming going on. In other words, where I live, there's acres and acres of corn, tobacco, uh, soybeans, wheat. Steel tobacco? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Uh, they, they raise the dark fire tobacco where I live, so my yard is full of smoke right now. Huh. Uh, but, and those, those farmers are doing well with those crops, but those don't have any impact on honeybees because mm -hmm. bees are going to do very little, get very little of anything from any of those crops. They might collect some pollen from corn but they're not getting any nectar from it. Mm -hmm. uh, they, the be bees I keep are benefiting from the uh, fence rows with the weeds in it, from the, uh, from the flowers that are growing, from the trees that blossom in the spring. That's where my bees are working. They're not working a big field of crop. We, we have some vine crops around where I live, but not close enough to where I keep my bees that they're going to work them. So, Your neighbor's not mad at you because you're not bush hogging, are they? Well, see, and that's the other thing. I don't have a big farm. I just oh. have a little acre yard, and then a farm nearby is where I keep a lot of hives on, uh -huh. on their farm. Uh, but by the same token, they don't particularly benefit because they don't raise any crops that need insect pollination. Now, I do have some neighbors who have blackberries. Those are really need insect pollination, and they probably do benefit indirectly, you know, to some extent from my... What about blueberries? My, blue, uh, blueberries, blackberries... Raspberries all need some kind of insect pollination. Yeah, I've got a cousin, Angie, and uh, she has a big blueberry farm here. And uh, um, some days that it's just perfect. I mean, the people coming from all over to get her blueberries. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and then sometimes the worst problem that she has is robins. Oh, robins really? Robins will eat her blueberries. Does she have to put up nets? Um, she ever, or is it too has, big an operation? She has, okay. yeah. But uh, I, I, farming, any type of farming is, is um, one of those um, kind of lucky type situations. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It, uh, and you hope, you, you pray every night that the good Lord's going to take care of your bees and all the other things that, that go on with Yeah, farming. there's a lot of praying, and but at the same time, education is going to help a long way. And, you know, we've kind of danced around it the whole time talking about pollination. We'll have uh, seminars on if you want to make money in pollination, what are the things you need to be aware of? Because that's a whole other aspect of, of beekeeping. We have a lot of these big farmers that are hiring beekeepers to bring in their hives 
to provide uh, pollination. And there's a lot of important considerations if that's what you're going to do with your bees that you need yeah. to be aware of. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with beekeepers. <laughs> From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. This is Chris Sharp with the Rutherford County Farm Bureau. We invite our members to help celebrate Rutherford County Farm Bureau's 100th year by joining us for our annual membership meeting Thursday, August 19th at Lane Agri Park, 315 John Rice Boulevard. We will start serving barbecue at 5 o'clock p.m. The meeting will immediately follow. For more information, call 615-893-1213 or visit our website, rcfarmbureau.org. Heritage South Community Credit Union is giving back to our community. During August, we are donating $50 to the school or teacher of your choice when you are approved for a loan. Combined with our great loan specials, there's never been a better time to move your loan to Heritage South. Visit our website, heritagesouth.org, to learn more. Remember, at Heritage South, we help when others won't. Only on certain loan types. Restrictions apply. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. And we're going to be heading over to talk with Tim Sutter over at Middle Tennessee Electric. What is Green Switch 100? Green Switch 100 is a new option when it comes to a renewables energy program. We developed Green Switch 100 to be able to give members a low-cost option to source 100% of their energy needs through renewables. Tim Subbeth visiting with us, Middle Tennessee Electric. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Thousands of people are signing a petition to recall Governor Bill Lee. The online petition claims the governor's response to the COVID-19 outbreak are grounds to recall him as the state's leader. The petition says there's no choice but to recall Lee due to a lack of preventative action. The author of the petition criticizes Lee, saying the state has, quote, almost no mandate for social distancing measures, despite being 12th in the nation for COVID-19 infections. Tennessee high school seniors are being offered a chance to take the ACT college entrance exam to boost their scores. They were first able to take the test during the height of the COVID-19 outbreak, and those scores were low. Tennessee's Education Commissioner says students are likely to increase their scores this fall. Students can retake the test for free during one of three three-day windows between October 5th and November 4th. 40-year-old Tara Hollins of Laverne has been charged with 10-care fraud. Investigators say that Hollins reported to the state that she had custody of her children, otherwise she would not have been eligible for 10-care. As a result, 10-care paid her about $7,000 in fees and claims. Hollins being held in the Rutherford County Jail on a $30,000 bond, a court hearing is set for August 30th. 
Rutherford County Schools have received a pair of grants totaling nearly $1.4 million for CTE equipment and a voluntary pre-K program. The grants add up to nearly $1.4 million, with more than $1.3 million used to partially fund voluntary pre-K programs at John Coleman Annex, Walter Hill, Kittrell, and Eagleville schools. All classrooms are currently at full capacity with 20 students each. News on demand 24-7 at WGNSRadio.com. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. French's Shoes and Boots has the hottest brands and unbeatable deals that you won't find anywhere else. But this stuff is going fast, and these deals can't last. Everyone wants the wildly popular Hey Dude shoes, and French's has them back in stock. Check out the latest styles for men, women, and kids. Hurry and get to French's here in the borough while the getting is good. It makes good sense to shop at French's. French's Shoes and Boots. 1837 South Church Street in Murfreesboro. Hello, I am Frank Caperton. Most people know me as Frank the Computer Guy, but did you know that I also have a camera? I love to shoot events such as weddings and birthday parties, corporate events, family gatherings, ribbon cuttings. I call it event photography. Call or text me at 615-476-7823 or visit frankcaperton.com. I also preserve memories. I digitize and enhance your old family videos. 615-476-7823 7823 or Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. For today, a good chance of showers and storms, mainly early, otherwise cloudy. We'll see a high in the mid-80s. Shower and storm chances tonight. I'm meteorologist Derek Dolman on News Radio. Radio WGNS. Right now, 72. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100 or go seeamovie.com. Popcorn Pop Fresh Daily, their movie hotline, 896-4100 or go seeamovie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back. And Zane Cantrell, we have had a number of calls at the radio station. And if you have questions, do do call the radio station. But the biggest one is with the Lane Agricultural building um had a lot of damage done to it where are you meeting now with the yeah, beekeepers we, association? we re- meet, the rutherford beekeepers association meets the first monday of every month at seven o'clock at the lane ag center we're in the animal pavilion now and that's where they have the show of all of the animals so it's a easy access we don't go into the main building anymore because they're still working on that yeah. But come around the main building to the back, and you'll see where they have the animal show. That's where we'll be. And coming up uh, September, uh, we will have our meeting again. So Yeah. And I, I presume that uh, people, maybe not even be members of, of beekeepers, 
are they uh, are they going to be able to come to a lot of these meetings, Barry? The Tennessee Beekeepers Association meeting that's meeting in October at MTSU is open to any beekeepers. Uh, you'll get a better price if you are a member of the Tennessee Beekeepers Association, but anybody can come. And we're doing something different. Keith Elrod is conducting a beginner's course on mm -hmm. Saturday, and you don't have to register for our conference if you want to take that beginner's course. You can yeah. come in on Saturday. It's, uh, I believe, 10 to 2 that he's putting that on. I've got the printout here. I'll confirm that. But uh, you can come in. You'll be able to take that beginner's course. You won't be able to go to any of the other TBA classes, uh, but you'll be able to take that course and visit the vendors while you're there, uh, and that's only $20 uh, per person. And, yeah, that is 10 to 2. They're going to open registration at 9 that morning on uh, Saturday, October 9th for the uh, basics of beekeeping class that Keith Elrod is putting if on. If you really want to learn a lot about beekeeping, whether you want to get into it or not, this is a great opportunity for anyone. And that $20 includes books and materials that you would need as a beekeeper to refer to. Mm -hmm. So it's not like that you're just walking in and getting nothing. When you walk away there, you'll have a handful of uh, supplies that you will need to uh, refer to as a beekeeper. And this is a great opportunity. Keith Elrod is a uh, professional trainer mm -hmm. for the uh, Murfreesboro Fire Department. So, and he's been teaching these beginner classes for a number of years. So this will be a great opportunity for those folks who really want to decide whether they want to get into beekeeping or not. Uh, have the agenda of all the classes, uh, has that been passed out already to a, a number of the beekeepers? What we have on the Tennessee Beekeepers Association website at tnbeekeepers.org is a list of the presenters that we have confirmed and the topics they're going to be covering. We haven't yet published the the sort of the the schedule of each of the classes, uh, but that that should be coming pretty soon. Where that way you can kind of go ahead and start planning, you know, what day, you know, what class you want to take when. Uh, but right now we do have information on all the speakers and the topics that they're going to be addressing. It's very seldom you have something this major, and you guys have just uh, tackled it from the very beginning, and it, it's going to be a very enjoyable and, and a great learning experience for everybody coming, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's going to be a great, and it always is. I think the uh, we're really taking it to a new level by bringing it here, uh, and Zane has mentioned Andrea Porter. She's done a, just an immense amount of work putting all this together and arranging this and making it, you know, seem, you know seamless as far as the experience for the beekeeper. Uh, I think I think folks who have come to our conferences in the past, they've been fine conferences, uh, but it's just going to be taking it up a notch to come to MTSU and to be in such a nice facility and have have so many amenities that we w weren't able to enjoy at, at the previous locations. We've had it for several years. I know that you love it, but you've turned it into a business also, haven't you, Barry? Not really. I'm just a hobbyist beekeeper. Oh, I, I got know. My no, that, that's not true. He, he is a real professional beekeeper. He really does things right. I'm a hobbyist beekeeper, <laughs> uh, but Barry, he's he's the real thing. But it's it, and I talked to a lot of people uh, who, uh, you know, I know they've kept bees for a few years, and I said, well, how many hives? You know, that's always the gauge. How many hives do you have? Yeah. And 
I, I you know, anybody that's got over a dozen hives is just that, that's a lot. That becomes a fair amount of work. You can you could keep a couple of hives and it kind of be a, a a hobby, but when you get over say a dozen or so, you're going to be doing. You're going to need a truck. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, what what if you got big time business people dealing dealing with honey and bees and things like that? Do most of them uh, do all of that themselves, or do they reach out to uh, hobbyists uh, and and things like that? Uh, and it becomes kind of like a corporation for them the the ones that are doing that the, the the most of the beekeepers it's sort of a self-contained operation if i had a big operation where i was running hundreds of hives i would just hire i would hire crew and i would have people working for me to get the work done I, mm -hmm. there's there's very little interface between me and the and the next beekeeper over other than we sh compare notes and we talk about things and maybe i'll sell him a hive or he'll sell me a hive something like that yeah uh but it is it is something you're you're somewhat on your own but the thing that i tell people that want to get into beekeeping the very best thing you can do is join a local club like the rutherford county beekeepers association find a mentor find somebody that you can go over and help them you know move boxes around and look over their shoulder and let them just share you know, hands-on information with you as far as what they're doing with their bees because that's the best way to learn. You can read all the books in the world. You can watch a bunch of videos on YouTube, but until you're in a hive with someone who's knowledgeable, you're missing out on a whole, on a whole lot. But if, if you have allergy problems like most of us in Middle Tennessee, do, it, it, this is the allergy capital of the world, uh, you want the bees, your hives, to be in your area because it, it seems to combat those type problems ra rather than getting honey from uh, other areas. That, that is the, the premise behind, you know, the belief that it can help your allergies. And what I tell people is try it. See if it works for you. It may not, but if it works for you, then it's an inexpensive addition to your diet to, to, uh, to help you with your allergies. Um, but you know, as you know, the notion is that if you have allergies to local blooming plants, yeah. and there's some trace of those pollens in your in your local honey, which there will be more in your local honey than if you're buying it at the grocery. Even if the grocery was getting it from this area, in order to put it on a lot of grocery shelves, they're having to filter out all, as many of those pollens as they can. So if you have uh, floral allergies of any kind, mm -hmm. it's these uh, the floral is different from one section to the other. Mm -hmm. So you don't know exactly what it is in your area that's causing it. So that's the premise behind getting it within 10 miles of where you live for the best results. Now, it may not help you at all. It, like if you've got dog hair or cat hair or some other kind of indoor allergies, obviously honey is not going to help with that. But most of us, I know I have, with my allergies, I've actually had these little skin pricks where they'll go through and try to find out what yeah, you're yeah. allergic to. Yeah. And uh, mine is local, believe me. And every time spring or fall comes around mm -hmm. here, look out. Yeah. And uh, I'll be heading to the doctor's office to get a shot or yeah. something like that. Well, if you want relief, the best method is to like taking a vitamin a teaspoon a day is what they recommend
a minimum of a teaspoon a day. And you'd have to start taking that honey before the allergy season. You know when it affects you the most. Mm -hmm. So, but if you wait until the allergy season to start taking it, you're going to have minimal effect on it. Mm. So a spoonful of uh, a teaspoon. Honey. Yeah, a little teaspoon. Put it in your coffee, tea, or on your food. Use it rather than use it instead of all this sugary sure, stuff. Sure, absolutely. They, they uh, use. Uh, that's a great. Uh, uh, thing to do. I guarantee you everybody would be healthier if they would do that rather than using just pure sugar. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the, the sweet that is in honey is, you know, it's, if you are diabetic, you need to check with your doctor before you take it because... Yeah, it, how would that affect the Well, it diabetic. could affect, but I'm yeah. just... It's still a sugar. It's, yeah. it's a it's different a type sugar, of sugar. But it's a different kind. It's easier on your system. And yeah. another thing, if if children like a year or younger uh, do not need to take honey, they don't need to. Uh, what, Why is that? Well, what they tell us is that their digestive system has not developed enough that it uh, th that it uh, they're able to digest it huh. properly. So it's, it's it's the same reason that little babies aren't supposed to be fed raw vegetables yeah. uh, uh, because there's the botulin toxin that could, you know, in theory, result in a child getting some form of botulism yeah. uh, because the honey, ha you know, while it's pure, doesn't have any, you know, bacteria in it. That's the that's the concern about very small infants a year or younger having uh, yeah. access well, what to what age are we looking a year at? a year one year one year oh. and and look at it this way honey uh, if it's processed correctly will last forever yeah bacteria can't grow on it now uh, it'll crystallize over time then you just but all you have to do is warm it up yeah. don't throw it out warm it up yeah. and it's just like it was normal for you so, uh, and you asked a question earlier about in the early days, they would take honey. This was before we had antibiotics. Mm -hmm. They'd take honey, put it on wounds, and which would help that wound to uh, heal. Never heard of that. Yeah. And burns, they would put it on burns. So they, the early settlers used honey in a lot of ways like that. You can go down to the, to the wound care center at the hospital right now. They'll have some some products with honey in them yeah. and there's particular types of honey that are used uh, the manuka honey I believe from New Zealand yeah. that has specific properties that allow to to help with wound healing well, what about uh, the bumblebees bumblebees will will store nectar and essentially create honey but they don't store it in a separate cell the way the honeybees do our honeybees when you look at the honeycomb the honey is stored in a separate cell than the pollen. They'll store pollen to feed their baby bees, but they'll feed, they'll store that near where they're raising those baby bees, and then they'll store the nectar and turn it into honey elsewhere. So they, just by the nature of their behavior, have made it possible for us to to uh, come in and get their surplus honey uh, for ourselves. Like bumblebees, they put their honey in a little bitty pod mm -hmm. inside their nest. And when they get that pod filled, they quit. Yeah. That's it. They don't do anymore. <laughs> Honeybees, when they fill up a comb, they'll keep on. They'll, as long as there's nectar out there, even if there's not nectar, they're out looking for it. 
and nothing pollinates like a honeybee. Yeah. Even though there are a lot of different pollinators out there, but nothing. Their sting is not as bad as a bumblebee either. <laughs> a bumblebee is like somebody took a sledgehammer oh, yeah, to you. Yeah, I hate that, to get yeah. stung by a bumblebee. Uh, since we're in that subject, yeah. what about the scare that we had with the uh, African killer bees? Um, what is, does that particular, uh, insect have any, uh, pollination, uh, those honeybees, things going yeah. on? Th those honeybees are it, it, more or less the s very similar. They're very similar to our European honeybees. In mm -hmm. fact, you can't look at an Africanized bee and tell one from another. Uh, by just looking at the bee. It's their behavior that is the distinctive thing. They're more defensive than the European honeybees. And so they're across there, and most, most of Florida has the Africanized honeybees now, Texas, California, those southern states. And we have had them uh, appear in Tennessee in a situation where they were accidentally brought into the state, either as a colony or maybe they hitched a ride on a truck or something yeah. like that as a swarm. Uh, and there, we just have, they have not been able to take hold in Tennessee yet. Uh, and there's a couple of theories on that. And we've had different presentations about it at different conferences. One is that because of our slightly cooler climate than the Southern states, that they can't survive. They do have small, slightly smaller colonies than the European bees because, uh, it is their nature to reproduce at a colony level to emit swarms more frequently mm -hmm. than the European honeybees. So by having a smaller colony, there's not as many bees to get through the winter. Uh, there's also some, you know, thoughts that they may just behave differently when they're. So in other words, we might have some of that genetics here, but because it's a, a more temperate climate than down in Florida, that they, we just don't know that that those genes are here because they don't behave the same. They're not as defensive in our climate. Yeah, and it's kind of overrated what by the news media. Is of course, everything things. is. Uh, it, when we find these colonies, what we're starting to do now is be a lot smarter. We'll go into them, take the queen, smush her, put a new queen in there, and within 30 to 45 days, you've got a completely different hive. Hmm. So <laughs> it's uh, they're they're more aggressive. Like our our honeybees, our European honeybees, they might chase you for 10 or 15 yards, but the killer bees they'll chase you for 100 yards. So that's kind do of they, do they die when they sting? Yes, they die just like all the rest of them when they sting. But they'll just so uh, the danger of those particular bees is very overrated, right? They are, and like the ones that we've read about, and we've looked into the people that have been uh, uh, killed by it, who they were unable to get away from them, elderly people or young people who who couldn't get away from them, and it just or dogs in the backyard that were chained. So uh, th those are the kind of things that we run into when we investigate it. But their temperament is not as bad as what they've been. Uh, well, their temperament is nothing to be messed with, but the beekeepers yeah. and, the, and the public uh, safety people in Texas, for instance, they've yeah. just developed protocols. Like, in other words, if I'm a beekeeper in South Texas and I, somebody calls me about a swarm, like Zane's saying, by, you know, 
practice, you're supposed to requeen that swarm. You're not supposed to take the genetics from an unknown source. Uh, you're supposed to keep control of your genetics, and, and that's something that beekeepers are able to do. As Zane mentioned, if you replace the queen in a colony, it's only a matter of time before you've replaced the entire genetics in that colony because they all come from that queen. If, uh, I, if I have, a, a, even in my hives, if I go into them and I find one of my hives is a little bit more aggressive than the others, I'll immediately requeen that hive. Wow. But, it, it, but if you have something like a killer bee, and you, you have uh, uh, a number of uh, hives with those particular um, insects, and maybe someone close to your property is swarmed and they die from that uh, attack from the killer bees, would you be um, um, maybe possible of be a, a victim of a lawsuit at that time? Well, you know, as you know, people can sue over anything. Oh, yeah. It, and I don't have the printout of the way the law reads, but yeah. there is a law in Tennessee that protects that, that protects the liability of a beekeeper as long as they are uh, you know, following best practices for keeping bees. Yeah. In other words, if you have your hives registered with the state, if you are uh, doing the things that a, 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 a responsible beekeeper does, then there is a limited liability for beekeepers. And by the same token, you might want to consider getting, you know, liability insurance, uh, which is not I unusual. I should never got on that subject, should I? Well, you know, I it's, it's known worth better. asking about. A lot of beekeepers put up signs. <laughs> this, this, this is an apiary. Stay yeah. away. Yeah. I mean, you're doing uh, what you need to do to protect the community as well. You yeah. don't want... You know, bees are not going to bother you, generally will not bother you, unless you go in, get in front of them, and kick their hive. Well, yeah, they're going to be that uh, aggressive if you do that. You attack but, where But they most live. people that are allergic to those type yeah. uh, bees, uh, they they're probably already know the, the way to protect themselves. Yeah. That's, a, that's an... Um, it's such a good subject, though. Because you guys uh, are doing something for our communities, and basically, um, just the scientific effort just blows me away. How much you guys have studied, and and uh, and, and it's um, it's like going to school for me. No, oh, yeah. I mean, to be able to go in and learn all of the great things that you guys have taught over the years. You're not just beekeepers, you're reaching out to the community. Yeah, and Truman, uh, I'm glad you brought up this thing of education. I do want to mention uh, this. Adventures in Learning will be uh, the first three Mondays after Labor Day mm -hmm. at First United Methodist Church on Thompson Lane. Yeah. That starts about 9 o'clock. Our own Greg Tucker will be teaching some history and education classes. He may even be bringing some honey for everybody. He could be, and he's a good beekeeper as well. He's a great beekeeper. Yeah, yeah. And I've, from, I've eaten some of his honey. Yeah, and from time to time, we've had beekeeping classes that have been taught in Adventures in Learning. Yeah. So we're really excited about that happening. If you have not registered for Adventures in Learning, now's the time to do it because that starts up the uh, three Mondays after Labor Day. 
How do they register? You can go online and register. Or what you if you're old like me? Yeah, well, you can, you can pick up uh, some of these registration forms out here at Adams Place, and it's they've been delivered at different places. Uh, yeah. call, call me. I'll be glad to deliver them to you. I've done that quite a bit, or any of the... And we have uh, uh, forms in every one of our churches. Oh, great. So if you attend church, if you don't attend church, you can still go to the office and pick up some of those forms. So we're excited about that. Then as soon as that's over with, we're going right into the Beekeepers Association Conference mm -hmm. here at MTSU. So we've got some really exciting things going on, especially, it's for anybody, but especially for those of us that are retired. Yeah. <laughs> You're not retired, are you, Barry? No, no. You're too young. <laughs> You're a baby compared to us. Well, is there any other things that we need to let the people know? Because we're, well, you we're know, actually run out of time. Yeah, so when I they're letting us go on. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, yeah. what I tell people, if you if you don't want to be a beekeeper, I understand. It's it it's a, we may have scared you off from it in this conversation. But I just tell people, uh, you know, if you're going to use uh, chemicals in your garden or on your yard, just mm -hmm. read the directions and follow the directions. That's the biggest thing you can do to protect the honeybees they, and help the they pollinators. They just came through. I can't remember w which one chemical it was. But they're banning it yeah. pretty pretty yeah. soon. Yeah. So um, maybe a time when they'll ban all of them. But uh, yeah. And I'll tell you, a lot of the farmers are telling the beekeepers when they're getting ready to spray their farm, and then we can keep them up, and usually it dissipates over a day or two. Yeah. So we can keep you know keep them up, keep them from going out. Yeah. to the fields until after the spraying is done. But yeah. this backyard for mosquitoes, which is useless, folks, don't do it. Only thing I can tell you. You, you spray for mosquitoes in your yard, the next yard they're going to come right on over there because yeah. they see it's vacant. You remember when the city would yeah. bring that truck through and spray, and you could, it was like a fog all yeah. over the city. Yeah, and I don't know did, how we lived through yeah, it. Yeah, and it did no good in no. keeping the mosquitoes away. It yeah. just doesn't work. And even, finally, the municipalities learned better, so yeah. they don't do that anymore. All right, Barry Richard, you got the last say so. Uh oh. Let, let, what have we left out, and what. Uh, do we re need to cover or recover? I think that we've covered a lot. Uh, I think the, the, the reason I'm here is to talk about the Tennessee Beekeepers Association and the conference that's coming in October here to Murfreesboro. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity uh, to, uh, to, for the folks in Murfreesboro to welcome a lot of people from all across the state and outside of the state, all across the yeah. country. Uh, anybody that's interested in beekeeping, I'll, like I've, I'll repeat, Come on out to the Rutherford County Beekeepers Association the first Monday of each month, but we'll also have an introductory course by Keith Elrod at the uh, at the Tennessee Association meeting on Saturday, October 9th. So it's a it's an opportunity for for anybody interested in beekeeping. You've got opportunities right here in Murfreesboro to get started. And a lot of people will call me in the spring and go, "Hey, uh, I want to get started in beekeeping." All right, well. You're just about too late. This is a great time to start right now. Mm -hmm. Start learning about bees. Order the equipment you're going to need. Take some classes. Uh, you know, plan on what you're going to do in the spring. Spend the winter getting ready and, and order the bees that you need to buy so that you'll have them when the, when the flowers start blooming in the spring. Don't, don't put it off until the spring. 
and get spring fever and want to be a beekeeper. Start right now and, and take your time and, and learn as much as you can between now and, and the warm weather. You don't think if a, a, a bunch of bees swarm on a tree in their neighborhood, that's a good starting point. And that's not a bad place to start. And oh, you, really? You know, that's kind of how I got started as a grown-up. I, I called my dad and said, hey, uh, I've, I've got, I bought my first house in East Nashville. And I uh, said, I got a little backyard. I thought I might get some bees. I said, do you have an old hive I can have? And he said, yeah, come on out. I got them in the barn. And I'll interject, don't buy or take used equipment. That's, that's actually against the law. And don't take it across state lines either. But I put this beehive up in my backyard, and I painted it, and it looked great. And I thought, one of these days, I'm going to get some bees. I was working nights, and I was home in the afternoon. I looked outside, and the yard was full of bees. The bees had decided that was the time I needed to get into beekeeping. So I had to get on the phone to the bee supply company and get some foundation and some frames to put in those empty beehives before the bees made a big mess. But I've had bees ever since, ever Good. since that swarm showed up. All right, Zane Cantrell. Truman, thank you so much. You did not give your phone number a minute ago. Uh, he said calling, but he didn't yeah, actually give it. 210-9991. If you need a, uh Adventures in Learning mm -hmm. form, just give me a call. I'll, I'll That's going to be a big deal. Yes, that uh, is. It is. It's been a while since you guys have been it's together. It's been two years since we've had uh, our Adventures in Learning. And we're excited about it. We have about 100 people that have already signed up. Yeah. So we need to, if you're going to attend, we need to know that ahead of time so we can assign you the classes that you'd like to have. And we've got all of our classes set up. As I said, Greg Tucker's going to be there. He's going to be talking about all of the history of this county. And some of it is... Uh, what would we say, uh, embarrassing, maybe? Don't be talking about my family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll be talking about a lot of families, yeah. I guess, if you want to hear about them in the years past. And Greg does such a wonderful job. He sure does. And uh, uh, so we've got a lot of other speakers that will be doing uh, uh, the work uh, on that time. So you've got a lot of choices. And you can go on our uh, website, Adventures in Learning, as has a website, mm -hmm. and take a look at it. So anyway, and go by any church almost in Murfreesboro, and you'll find registration forms. So uh, uh, we'll help you in any way that we possibly can. But let me uh, also stress and make this clear. We need you to register now. We need to get that done and get you assigned to classes. Is there a deadline on it? Well, we'll take you up to the whatever day you want to come. Okay. But you, uh, if you want to get early bird uh, registration, now is the time to do it. Yeah, Greg's uh, classes are Greg much... right now is already has, he has 25 students. Wow. Already. So uh, we have some classes that are over 30. Yeah. So uh, if you want to get the kind of class that you want first, the important thing is to get registered now. All right. Great show, guys. Thank you. Thoroughly enjoyed it. A lot of fun. We will see you. What's the date? Thursday? See you in the morning at 9. We'll have the band on them. Okay. Yeah, we look forward to all that singing. Yeah. <laughs> From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, 
FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.